Hey, Teresa, I just want to say you're doing a really great Don't job. Don't do it. Well, but you've been doing a really great job. Don't. Hats off to you. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, hi, hi, folks. Hi, everybody listening. Here's a little behind-the-scenes little BTS for you. We're actually recording this in the morning, but the rest of the episode you're about to hear, we actually recorded last night? At like 10 o'clock at night. At like 10 o'clock at night. It was our our, our late night cool kid recording. Um, but the, uh, the opener, for some reason, there was a lot of uh, static and a lot of interference, and so we re-recorded it because we didn't want to have to put you through that. Um, you will hear, because I just finished editing it, I tried to clean them as much as I could. There's a few little points of static. Um, we had a white noise machine going uh, for BB so she would sleep, and that might be part of the interference. I don't know. But I've cleaned up most of it. Shouldn't be that big a deal. Um, let's get into the, the episode now. Now, back to the past. This is uh, this is episode is very interesting to me. We're talking about hats. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of thing that like we were talking about what the what the subject could be. And you said hats, and it struck me as so very interesting because, like, I I put it in the same category of guests. like we've talked before about like handkerchiefs and fans and right. accessories and that kind of thing. Uh, is there that much association with like hats and and etiquette and manners? Yes, yes, there is. Aside from just like take it off inside. Well, I mean, I think that. The part about take it off inside, that's the most interesting because there are lots of rules about what counts as inside. Interesting. Okay, well, how about we do what we always do on every episode, maybe start with a little bit of history? Sure. So one of the first depictions of a hat um, was- Was backwards. Super cool. No. Um, Was in a Thebes tomb, um, and there's a wall painting. A Thebes? Thebes. Thebes. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Like from Thebes. Yes. Okay. Uh, it, it was a wall painting of a man wearing a coolie straw hat. Uh-huh. Um, and that was way back in 32,000 BCE. Whoa. Yeah. So like when you say way back. Way, way back. Way back. Um, and at that time, it is imagined because we, I mean, we weren't there. But hats were largely worn as protection mm-hmm. from the elements, um, the sun, the wind, the rain. Um, and you basically made a hat out of what you could fashion, right? Interesting. So straw was a good one. Um, some were also made out of pelts. If it I bet was... that pelt ones were a lot warmer than the straw ones. Yes, yes, they were. Um, but there wasn't really a kind of hat style that we are able to recognize until about 70 BCE. Um, we f- have found a Danish hat that actually fell into a bog. I think you mean like a hat from Denmark and not a hat shaped like a Danish. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. <laughs> cool. 
We found a cheese crown. No. But this hat um, fell into a bargain, so it's very well preserved. Mm -hmm. Um, It is made of pieced together leather and fur. Um, And, I mean, it's really one of the earliest hats that we've actually found intact. So this is how we know how it looked like. And what is it? What does it look like? It looks like a hat. But, like, compare (laughs) it to... Um, a cap, really. Um, it, uh, as far as I can tell, it didn't have really a discernible brim. Um, think maybe coonskin cap without the tail. Gotcha. All right. So then there are there are various legends that go with the the I don't want to say discovery, but the refinery of hat. Um, one of which it goes that Saint Clement uh, discovered felt when he was working as a monk and filled his sandals with carded wool to protect his feet. So the moisture and the pressure from walking on these fibers um, made it into a, you know, a pretty crude, pretty crude, but comfortable felt. Um, mm-hmm. And hatters in Ireland and other countries have celebrated him as the patron saint of felt hat makers. Get out. Oh, I love finding out the things that there are patron saints for. There are as many patron saints for things as there were Greek and Roman gods for things. Now, I, I always find it interesting when there's like invention stories like that, where it's like that. It's very possible that that is exactly what happened. But it's hard to hear that and not think, oh, so he just like accidentally invented fell. <laughs> sure, sure. So, like I said, um, hats were, were mostly regional up until this point, but... It go. Uh, it is said that the word milliner originates from the word from the year fifteen twenty nine, um, and that actually means maker of hats. I'm so glad that we're getting to this because uh, I want to draw a line through all of the Macroy podcasts. There's an episode of Rose Buddies. I think it's the preview episode for this season of The Bachelor, where they talk about somebody having a hat business, and they call it a haberdashery, and it's a milliner. And uh, I just, I was screaming at my podcast app the whole time, and I've waited till this moment to bring it up. It's a milliner. Go on. Okay. And uh, (laughs) this word was actually first recorded in reference to products for which Milan and the northern Italian regions were well known. So like ribbons and gloves and straws. Um, and there were haberdashers who imported these straws called milliners. So milliner is a subset of haberdashery. Oh, man. Well, now, now I feel dumb. Is this a square rectangle, rectangle square thing? It is. Oh, uh, man. So Griffin and Rachel weren't wrong? Technically? Technically. That's the worst kind of not being wrong. <laughs> Darn it. Griffin and Rachel, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said anything. This is why I'm not the expert in Teresa is. All right. Moving forward just a little further. Um, in 1797, uh, a man named John Hetherington. What a name. Uh, was given a 500-pound fine for inciting riots in the streets. Do you know what it was that he was wearing? Um, a hat. <laughs> <laughs> good, good job, honey. Thanks. Uh, a top hat. Um, it is said that its great height and shiny silk luster incited terror and panic. No, no it didn't. Yes, it did. No, it did not. Trace somewhere. Get out of that, town. That's what it. 
That is not true. There is no... <laughs> okay, this is it. Unless when you say 1797, you mean 1797 BC, and he had traveled back in time in full, <laughs> like, tucks and tails and top hat. <gasps> Good lord, the height, the shine. Well, you know, they didn't have the internet in those days. I so guess. people were very easily shocked, I guess. I guess. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Thank you very much for that. Hey, you're welcome. So then there were various styles of hat that went in and out of fashion. Um, would you like me to go through a few of these? Of course I would. So that top hat that I mentioned was probably the most popular between the late 1700s and the early 1920s. Um, it is a tall hat with a flat crown and a broad brim. Uh, and it can be curled on the sides. And it was made originally of lush beaver fur, but transitioned later to being made out of silk plush. I mean, there was a time where beaver was like the main like American mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, product, I guess. But like there were people whose fortunes were built off of like beaver hunting and pelts and everything. And the top hat has since evolved um, to include lots of styles of hat, including the coachman. Uh, the stovepipe, and the opera hat. The stovepipe, which correctly associated with Abraham Lincoln? Yes. Okay. A little different from the top hat is the bowler hat. Um, and it is made of traditionally a hard felt with a rounded crown and a curled brim. That's what I always think of when I think of like a Dr. Watson. Yeah. I always picture Dr. Watson in a bowler. Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. wore a bowler hat. Um, and... It actually was the hat that started the West. So really, yeah, because uh, in uh, in uh, the, the Back to the Future Three, he's got a bowler hat. I see. Because the bowler hat was brought with people who traveled west from the East Coast, so that was the hat that they started out wearing. Um, then it transitioned into the Western hat. Yeah, it's a cowboy hat. Well, sort of. Um, there have been many iterations of the the classic cowboy hat. The one that it started out as from the bowler was not really much different. It had a little bit of a, a wider brim to keep the sun off. Um, but it became more and more, I suppose, Western looking. As uh, we think of. As now. we think yeah. of it. Um when things like the Dust Bowl happened, because what they needed was a hat that would stay on their head. So the brim that had been wide to keep off the sun off the shoulders and and things like that began to get curled around the sides Mm -hmm. so that it still protected your eyes from the sun, but it kind of curled up on the sides to keep it from being blown off in the wind. And, you know, it, uh, it eventually had lots of different um, shapes instead of just the, the high cur- curved bowler hat. Um, so there's like the Montana Peak. Ooh. Mm-hmm. There's the Carlsbad and the Cattleman Style. And all these have different sort of indents in them. Um, obviously the Stetson, right? Stetson hat. That The boss of the plains. Is yes. the Stetson. Mm-hmm. I've, and I, I, I don't know if this is true, but I've always imagined that either it was because of this or it was designed to look like this, that the way like the indent, you know, the two indents on the side and the kind of dent in the top mm-hmm. is from like 
grabbing it to take it off. Because if you think of the motion, you would you you could either like grab the brim, but then you're likely likely to like tear the brim off and damage the brim. So you would grab the top of the hat. That's how I've always pictured. It. I mean, if you see a cowboy hat, that's exactly where your hand fits mm-hmm. when you lift it off of your head. That makes sense. And I'll talk a little bit uh, in just a few minutes about tipping one's hat. Okay. The last two hats I would like to uh, describe are the Hamburg which had its peak popularity between 1900 and the 1950s. And this hat was actually created for King Edward III. I'm trying to picture. I feel like I recognize that name. Well, it was the favorite of Winston Churchill, Ah. Dwight Eisenhower, and King Edward V. Gotcha. Um, And it was also made famous by the film The Godfather. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's the hat that he wears in that. This isn't a fedora. No, the fedora is slightly different. Okay, it looks a lot like the Hamburg, but it is a it is categorized by a creased center down the crown with bashes at the front and traditionally has a broader brim than the Hamburg. So it sounds like kind of between a Hamburg and a, and a cowboy hat. Right, right. It's kind of a middle ground there. Um, and the fedora actually started out as a woman's hat. What? Yeah. Get out. It is named for the title character in Victorian Sardou's 1882 play Fedora. Cool. Yeah. And um, by the 1920s, it had been adopted as a men's hat, basically. Um, and, you know, is closely associated with gangsters. Interesting. So here's the thing. I, I feel like you, you talk about all this history, right? Mm-hmm. And yet it feels like somewhere between like 1940 and now, hats have stopped being so much of a thing. Yes, 1940 is really when hats stop becoming a um, a social necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are still considered a fashion accessory. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm sure there's a bajillion different factors. You know, World War II, um, pe- more people going to college, fashion changing. You know, greasers, hippies, the 70s, like a lot of really uh, progressive decades in a row that probably contributed to it. It's just very interesting thinking about that, like for a while, for sounds like thousands and thousands of years, you wouldn't be caught dead without a hat. Exactly. Um, A lot of professions required hats and really just required the use of hats to keep a person safe. Um, a lot of military professions require hats. You would wear um, a hat if you were outside working, trying to keep yourself warm. You would wear it if maybe you were digging in a ditch or in a mine, trying to keep the dust off your face. Um, so, and that's just for people who were professionals. But then also hats are cited in kind of the modesty movement for Mm -hmm. uh, ladies fashion of the time um, where a hat may become larger or smaller depending upon what sort of values the society values at the time. Um, So like a very close cap might go with a conservative turning, um, trying to keep everything under control and on the head, Why, whereas a larger, wide-brimmed hat with you know ribbons and feathers and You're things like, like that, Kentucky Derby hats, exactly, yeah. are are a little more with um, a, a flamboyant era. Interesting. I, I also I'm betting 
And like I said, I'm not the expert. This is just, I'm going to make an anthropological jump here. Anthropology jump? Anyways, I'm making a, a leap here. And my bet is that you had movie stars like James Dean with cool hairstyles, where you were like, I want to have cool hairstyles. And so you couldn't really like have a pompadour and wear a fedora at the same time. And so, like, it just seems like there was probably a generation of kids in, like, the late 40s, 50s, and 60s who were like, no, I'm, I want to look cool. That actually is a really good point, and it's often attributed to JFK. Interesting. Um, who is the first president who really didn't wear hats. Uh, he preferred to style his hair. And so a whole generation of people wanting to kind of, at least in the United States, emulate the president stopped wearing them so how and i don't know if you have notes on this but this is we can just discuss it in general how do you think that this has affected kind of etiquette in the overall because we got lots of questions that we'll answer after the break but talking about like you know you mentioned tipping your hat taking your mm -hmm. hat off when you come inside what kind of hat is appropriate for what thing putting your hat over your heart all of these things that i think about when i think of like you know madmen style like people wearing hats and everything like do you think that there has been a connection between that kind of rigidity of etiquette to now where it's just like you see people like in a fancy restaurant wearing a baseball hat? You know what I mean? Like because we have loosened up a lot of those things, like every, you have to have a hat on all the time, that now it's loosened up a lot of other etiquette stuff? I don't know if it's necessarily like that. I do think that when hats fell out of fashion, people just forgot about the etiquette regarding them. Um, and so now when a person wears a hat, we don't have that rigid social construct to keep them from wearing their hat in a restaurant. Um, so it nobody is really bothered by it. Um, I think one of the, the posters asked uh, said something about their their mother or maybe their grandmother um insisting that they take their hat off at the table mm -hmm. and that is the, really the generation who would know um because now largely hats although a an up-and-coming fashion accessory um they've been out of the mainstream for a very long time so i think people have just forgotten interesting and the I, I mean, I can remember growing up in school, we weren't allowed to wear ball caps in class as soon as we come inside. I mean, all, all through. Like, I can't mm -hmm. remember people wearing baseball caps in high school. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that, that just wasn't a thing that you did. Oh, and it, I guess it's also important. We should also note that there are lots of religions for whom, like, wearing a hat or at least some form of head covering is not just a fashion accessory, but, like, a requirement, right? Exactly. Um, so there are a couple rules regarding uh, religious houses specifically, uh, you know, churches and synagogues and such. Um, the one being in a church of the Christian faith, men are supposed to take off their hats um, because the religion nowadays does not require the head to be covered. Whereas um, in some churches, women, according to religion, are supposed to cover their head in church, so they keep their hats on, um, even in the Christian faith. What I always think about is the yarmulke, right? Right, yes. Um, and what you mention is the Jewish head covering. Yes. Uh, that's the Yiddish word for it. And because practitioners of the Jewish faith are required to keep their head covered, um, they actually keep it 
on in in their synagogues, um, whereas they may or may not wear it constantly. Interesting. I'm taking it all the way back to my girl, Emily Post. Yes, I've heard of her. Yes, Mm -hmm. you have. And um, according to Emily Post, she says, men may leave their hats on, outside, at athletic events, on public transportation, and in buildings like post offices, airports, hotel or office lobbies, and on elevators, until a woman enters the elevator and then they're supposed to take their hat off. Okay. Also, we could probably update that part, but that's fine. Also, according to Emily, um, you may wear your uh, men may wear their hats in the corridors of a hotel space and in the lobby because those are considered public property. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, I mean, not public property, but the same way you would have it's in public. In public, um, same way you would have if you were walking down the street. The doors of the hotel rooms being like the homes, gotcha. right? But once you enter the hotel room or the elevator with a woman present, you're supposed to take your hat off. Um, and other places, you're supposed to take your hats off, hats off including baseball caps, uh, at someone's home, at mealtimes, at the table. Um, when being that inter- seems doesn't it seem like that's kind of included within that? Like, I guess I mean a restaurant or something, but at restaurant or if you were having an outdoor picnic, oh, that's fair. We were eating. Um, when you are being introduced, you should remove your hat, uh, whether you are indoors or out, unless it is a hat for keeping your head warm and it's cold outside. Is that to show that you're not hiding anything under your hat when you <laughs> like shaking your hand? Here's my empty hand. Here's my empty hat. Now we're friends. It's actually said that knights could be accused of hiding something if they did not open their visor and remove their helmet because you usually did that again with your right hand and uh, you uh, held your weapon with your right hand. So if you're taking off your hat, you couldn't hurt somebody with your weapon. And, uh, you know, the uh, documentary A Knight's Tale, um, (laughs) there's uh, a whole scene about a guy who doesn't raise his visor and it's because he's hiding who he is. It's it's very uh, shady. Um. You should also mention Visor, also shady. No, nothing. No, I get sorry. nothing. I sorry. could. I. You know what? That's my fault. I could have drawn that line a lot clearer. <laughs> I could have maybe like this. If you didn't raise your visor, I guess it was a bit shady. See, I could have done right. better like yeah, that. that. Yeah, that's, that's better, better. Right? That's okay. better. We'll get it in post. Um. Again, indoors at work, you were to take your hat off in public buildings like school. You mentioned the library, courthouse, town hall, things like that. That's more of a, I think, a respect. Type thing. I'm making air quotes. Respect. Mm-hmm. Um, restaurants at a movie or indoor performances. But however, women, um, because their hats are largely considered fashion accessories, are allowed to keep their hats on unless they impede the view of people behind them. You know, this is so interesting to me because just hearing like this, take your hat off inside, take your, it's like, I. it's so funny because, you know, a lot of people, uh, we had questions and I'm sure we'll get to them. But, you know, think of like, well, what about your hair and hat head? And I, like, I, I will say personally, uh, well, oh, well, I also have a giant head, which is a good reason I don't wear hats. But the reason I don't wear hats, like as part of a fashion accessory is it would mess up my hair. But if you think about the hairstyles in in societies where hats are commonplace and expected, men's hairstyles are a lot like tighter and shorter mm-hmm. and like it's not something where it's going to be crimped down by a hat and it also sounds like you spent most of your time around people with your hat off anyways 
Like you were really just wearing your hat walking down the street. But if you were inside anywhere, it sounds like your hat was off anyways. If you were a male. Yeah. Um, and at this point in history uh, that Emily's really talking about um, at the height of hat wearing, um, women wore hats for fashion usually. So at any of these places I mentioned, they weren't really expected to take them off. Now, that okay. So we actually had a, a, a question from your Aunt Gail that I wanted to include here. Um, and, and so the question is, uh, you know, traditionally men are supposed to remove their hats uh, during the national anthem at ball games. Mm-hmm. But now does that like include women, all people, everybody? Because now it's it's not so much fashion hats. I mean, we're mostly talking about like baseball caps. Well, what I have found um, and according to Emily, which is usually how I go, mm-hmm. um, unisex Caps, like baseball hats, are expected to be removed by all sexes. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Um, But that's an interesting point because removing your hat for the national anthem um, actually originates with um, uh, military hats where um, before really the salute came popular, um, the military were expected to remove their hats as a sign of respect for their country, um, usually when the monarch passed by. Um, and then it really became more uh, mainstream uh, around 1745, 1750, when the Coldstream Guards were first to forbid removing the hat and they said the men are ordered not to pull off their hats when they pass an officer or to speak to them but only to clap up their hands to their hats and bow as they pass them so really the salute was born Mm, um and still to this day military personnel are not expected to remove their caps even for the national anthem interesting so it kind of reversed Mm -hmm. you know the, the armed services and the public interesting right so I promised that we would go back to tipping the hat. I got a, a little bit of conflicting information about this. Um, Miss Manners says that one should tip their hat to someone that they know as an acknowledgement, and you should remove your hat when you're being introduced. But if you lock eyes and say hello to a stranger, you don't have to tip your hat, especially if that stranger is a man. Okay. And obviously this was a rule for men. Um, One of the things that I also came across was tipping a hat to a man could be construed as an insult um, because hats were often most likely tipped towards women. So if you tipped your hat to a man, um, you might be insulting the person that you are tipping it to and that could be cause for, you know, shoot him up gunplay in the West. I, I, I'm willing to bet now, and I'm not the expert, but I'm willing to bet now most people would agree that tipping a hat has probably taken on a connotation of like being diminutive, being to, to everybody. Like I'm trying to picture now how you could pull off actually tipping your hat unless you're like an 80 year old man. Hmm. And that might be kind of like, oh, <laughs> well, how pleasant. But like, if I did it to anyone, I I can't imagine it being perceived being perceived as polite. Well, I think that it's just because our mannerisms have been replaced. 
Whereas if you were passing someone in the street, you wouldn't tip your hat, but you might nod and mm-hmm. acknowledge them. I think it's the same thing. Um, it's that that kind of idea of saying how do you do or good morning or any of those things without actually having to say them. So now when people do things that are not the standard, it's like, why would you? It, I, 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 can, I do, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I hear, you know, Emily Post saying, take your hat off. When a woman enters the elevator, like, tip your hat at a woman. And it's like, I would never do that now. Not because it's like, oh, how weird I have to tip my hat. But just it feels, like, so sexist. You know what I mean? I understand that. It's, uh, I think it was really just meant as an acknowledgement. Yeah. Now we just high five, and that's so much better. Fist bump. Everybody just fist bump all the time. Um, Hey, do you want to do some questions? Let's take a break first. Okay. Let's write a thank you note to a sponsor. Our sponsor this week is Sunbasket, which is a meal subscription service. Now, we've talked about on a bunch of different shows, Max Fun, we've talked about different meal subscription services, and I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. I'm actually a fan of all of them. Anytime anyone delivers food to my house, <laughs> I get very excited about it. But Sunbasket is a new one for us. It is. And there are a couple things that we really like about it. Um, they sent us some meals to review, and uh, we really enjoyed how all of the ingredients were bagged up together Mm -hmm. so you didn't have to go hunting through a box looking for the one like lime that you need or something i'll tell you a secret i've made uh many different meal subscription services and uh user error is an issue where i'll grab you know i'll grab the green onions when i'm supposed to grab a scat or not a scallion or you know whatever a leek or whatever and i'm dumb (laughs) and i just grab the wrong thing uh, and, we, and Sunbasket knows I'm dumb. <laughs> they just went ahead and took care of that for me. We also really liked how many varied meal options there were. Vegetarian, paleo, gluten-free. There were a lot of things to choose from. They even offer, offer breakfast options, which I don't know that I've ever seen anywhere else before. So that's really cool. Um, and, and it comes with, you know, easy to follow instructions. You can get dinner out very quickly. Um, and, you know, it, I, there was also stuff in there that we wouldn't normally think to make for ourselves, meals that we found very interesting and like, oh, this is a different flavor than we normally cook with. And it was great. Um, right now, you can go to sunbasket.com slash schmanners today and get your first three meals free. That's sunbasket, S-U-N-B-A-S-K-E-T dot com slash schmanners, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S, and get your first three meals free sunbasket.com slash schmanners. Go check it out. My name is Patrick. My name is Ariel. My name is Joe Coglin. The first time I uh, went to MaxConCon, I didn't know anyone. I was really uh, nervous about that. Everyone said not to worry about going alone, that I'd make friends right away, that I'd have an amazing time. It turns out everyone was right. I instantly had 200 new friends. I've made lifelong friends at MaxConCon that... I'm going to keep in touch with for the rest of my life. If you aren't sure if you belong at MaxFunCon, you belong. Don't be like me. Don't waste two years being too nervous. Just go already. Join Ariel, Patrick, and Joe at MaxFunCon. Tickets for MaxFunCon and MaxFunCon East are on sale now at MaxFunCon.com. 
So we're so excited, folks. The Max Fun Drive is coming up, and we're working hard on some of our best episodes of the year. Trace and I have already started working on what we're going to be doing for the Drive episodes themselves. I'm as, so excited, you guys. As well as our bonus episode. We're very <laughs> – it's going to be fun, and it's something we don't normally do, and we're very excited about it. You can tune in during the Drive to catch these extra awesome episodes and hear about the exclusive thank you gifts we have in store for new and upgrading donors. They're seriously amazing. And not just the bonus episodes, which in my opinion is the coolest part of being a new and upgrading donor. Because here's the thing. Here's the, it's not even the catch. Here's the cool thing. Even though you're signing up and becoming a new or upgrading donor in 2017, you get access to all the bonus content ever. So years and years and years of bonus episodes from all our different shows. Uh, plus, it's your chance to show your support for Schmanners and any other Max Fun show that you listen to and help us reach our highest goal ever, 10,000 new and upgrading Max Fun members. I definitely think we can do it. I'm not sweating that at all. I'm actually worried about what we do when we blow through that in the first two days and then we're like, I guess 30,000? Um, <laughs> but the 2017 Max Fun Drive kicks off on March 20th and runs for just two weeks. So visit MaximumFun.org for details and don't miss it. It's honestly one of my favorite times of the year. So much excitement, people tweeting about the shows they love, and there's going to be like meetup days and all kinds of rewards for becoming a new and upgrading donor. I'm so excited for it. And I usually man the, sh- the Schmanner's Twitter account, and I love to say thank you and actually answer questions in live time. So we'll be hanging out. We'll maybe we'll do like a, a Q&A or something. Well, there will be all kinds of special events, but it starts March 20th and runs for two weeks. Don't miss it. So we got a bunch of questions. These questions, they uh, so I, I always find that our questions kind of fall into two different categories. And one is like, what do I do? And the other one is like, what's the deal with? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We got sure. a lot more what's the deal with questions here. And um, I think that really goes to reflect the society of today where we really don't wear very many hats. Although I have seen um, quite a lot of like those wide brimmed fashion hats coming back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Co- Coachella and, and such. I, and I think that there are lots of folks really trying to make fedoras happen again. Don't know if that's going to stick, but that, you know what? If, it, that, if that's your thing. If that's your thing. And it did briefly happen in the 1990s when Justin Timberlake wore one. Oh, and uh, didn't Michael Jackson wear a fedora in something? I think he did. Yeah, he probably did. But I don't think that it didn't catch. You know what I mean? <laughs> it definitely was almost a thing. And I think my theory on fedoras, by the way, is that it's going to almost be a thing for the rest of time. That it will be on the fringe of fashion forever. And don't get me wrong. Okay, here's the thing. I also want to say, this is not a question that we got. But, like, I think it has become very common for people to poke fun at people who wear fashion hats, like fedoras or bowlers or cabbie hats or whatever, or those like big, you know, derby day hats or whatever. But here's the thing. I think, look at it a different way. If you showed up to say, I don't know, a super fancy opera gala Mm -hmm. in black tie, right, totally normal, totally looks regular. If you went to a barbecue in black tie... You would get some funny looks. I think the problem is is that there are people uh, who want to make these fashion hats an everyday thing. When it's like, no, they they work. There are certain looks that go with certain dress options. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just not an everyday thing now. Sure, i i can I can concede that. 
in our everyday lives, most people don't wear hats. But you know that fashion I... Fashion hats. I mean, fashion hats. Baseball caps, whatever, beanies, whatever. But you know that I like to do a little retro style, and Definitely. I like the hats. Definitely. And you know what? That's the thing. Like, I, 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 I'll tell everybody a secret. There's a time in my life where I was a big fan of swing dancing. If you want to go to, like, your swing dancing lessons, dressed straight out in, like, a zoot suit with, you know, the big hat and, like, the mask feather or whatever, go to town. You know what <laughs> I mean? Mask the mask feather. But maybe don't wear that to, like, CeCe's Pizza to get lunch. Okay. I go to CeCe's Pizza. I don't know. Anyways, so uh, we touched on a little bit earlier but marina asked how do you deal with the conflict between taking your hat off and getting terrible hat hair um if you'll look messier with the hat off should that influence whether you wear it inside or not i think it goes to the same thing i think that you know it just depends on what hat you're wearing with what hat hairstyle i think right you, you mentioned about like the the keeping your hair in mm-hmm. i think about that now especially when i think of like people like you know, the the top knot or that kind of thing where they do that and they put like a beanie over it or you pull your ponytail like through, you know, the snapback of a hat or whatever. And hats with like the beanie and, and the ball cap and that kind of thing have become options when you don't want to do your hair. Yeah. So how do you balance that off with like taking it off indoors? Do you think you still need to? Or is it like if you know you're going to be somewhere where you need to take your hat off, got plan accordingly. Um, I think unless the hat is physically attached to your hair, you need to make provisions for being able to take it off should you need to. Do you think, Michelle asked, is it appropriate to remove your hat at the dinner table? And do you think that that's across all? Because Michelle makes the point of like dinner table versus restaurant versus like fast food place. And I would also include in that like pub, bar, restaurant kind of thing. I would say, and, you know, Emily Post talked a little bit about this, um, that the the more familiar you are with the setting, the more at ease you can be. So if you're at a fast food joint or a, or a local bar or pub or something and you, you need to keep your hat on, I would say that that's probably not a big fashion faux pas. But going out to a fancier restaurant, you should probably take it off. Um, if you're having a family dinner and someone specifically requests that you take it off, I think that you should probably take it off as a, as a, a nod to them. Um, do, do you want to know my secret? What's your secret? My secret rule. I have a secret rule that I've never shared with anyone before, but a good designation. <laughs> this seems like the podcast of secrets. I have secrets. <laughs> um, the designation that I use for like, do I need to worry super about my manners here or not, is cloth napkins versus paper napkins. Okay, well, sure, sure. I mean, that's not it's not an every it's not a hundred percent infallible rule, but mm-hmm. like in general, if I'm eating someplace with paper napkins, I'm not really worried about taking my hat off. You know okay. what I mean? That's my own personal guideline. I'm not saying everyone needs to follow that, but it's always steered me right. Um, and then I think that there are also, there are certain schools of thought regarding maybe the family dinner table is a place of kind of reflection and, and, um, reverence even, uh, especially if you are a, a persuasion of where you say grace before a meal, you should remove your hat. Jordan asks, what makes a hat versus a cap? You know, I really didn't see any kind of uh, distinguishing characteristic. I actually know the answer to this. Oh, you do, do I you? I do. 
um, because I just looked it up while I was asking the question. Uh. Um, but th- because I had this guess, this was my guess, and I wanted to make sure it was correct before I answered it. What I found was a hat um, is not fitted tightly to the head. So if you think like a cowboy hat, right, you have the the where it touches the head is tight, but then a lot of open space around mm-hmm. like your hair and your head, right? A cap fits closely, like if you think of a baseball cap or something like that, where it fits against your head. And a hat is brimmed all the way around, where a cap, if it has anything, it's like, you know, you have a bill on the front, you have the cover on the front, but it does not have uh, a full brim. I think that's a good general rule, but there are certain caps that have the name hat or vice versa, where yeah. like the, the page boy cap um, isn't very close fitted and it has a front brim instead of uh, yeah. you know, all this I, kind I, of stuff. I think like what I have just said is the etymological difference, um, but like. A hat is a cab, or a cab is a hat, and a rectangle is a square, and a haberdasher is a milliner, and a milliner is a haberdasher. We're, we're back into that, are we? <sighs> it's fine. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Um, and so Jeff asked, like, uh, the elbow on the question table, why can't I wear my hat inside? And the answer seems to be because there were many, many generations of people who found that very rude. And I'm sure there are still people who who were raised that way. It may not be as prevalent an mm-hmm. opinion but i think it's definitely could i i will say for myself i do it without thinking like even if i'm just like walking around wearing a baseball cap if we sit down to eat dinner i take my hat off like and i don't do it sure. i'm like mm, don't want to be rude to the baby but it's just like what i do when i sit down well um wearing a hat inside i think i think it goes back to the origin of wearing hats was really to protect yourself from sort of element uh, whether it be a natural element or your your work environment. And the truth is, you didn't need it inside. If your hat was protecting your head from the cold and you came in out of the cold, you could take it off. Do you think that there's a part of that of like, if you leave your hat on, it looks like you want to leave? Yeah, I've I've heard that saying, take your hat off, take your coat off and stay a while, yeah. those sort of things. Yeah. I bet it stems from that. Hmm. Interesting. Um. Dora asks, is there specific etiquette to winter weather hats? When should I take my hat off before entering or after entering? And is there an appropriate place to stick my hat? I think those are three different questions. Uh, they are. Um, but as far as, like I said, hats to protect you from the elements, once you are out of that element, you should take it off. Um, so the answer to that question is, once you get inside, you should remove your hat. Um, if it isn't wet... Um, you can put it in a the pocket of your coat. Assuming it's something that folds. I mean, right, it's not like it, a fedora or like, a bowler or something. But if it's like a skull cap or something, um, if it is uh, if it is a fedora or something of that nature, you should hang it up on the hat stand with your coat. Um, not enough people have hat stands, by the way. It's a cool look. I love it. Everybody should have one. Oh, we need to get one in our house. Um, some people in the Midwest refer to it as a coat tree. Mm-hmm. Um, or well, I think that's a misnomer because if you hang more than two coats on it, it falls over. Really, it's for hats. <laughs> you got to balance stuff. Yeah, you got really. It's a lot of jenga going on there to make sure that your your coat rack doesn't fall over. Um, so if you have some sort of hook, you can put it with your your coat. Um, if you have to put your coat in a closet, I would suggest putting it on some sort of you know uh, front table. 
so that you can, uh, so it won't get crushed, but you're not holding on to it the whole time. Jess asks, what are some appropriate top hat wearing events? Do they still exist or is it a dead fashion trend? Um, no, I think that if you, you go out to maybe an opera or a ballet, um, uh, a lot of fancier theaters. A gala. A gala. You can certainly wear a top hat for that. And I mean, really any kind of fancy place where you would wear uh, a coat or, you know, a suit coat or um, a vest, I think looks really nice with a top hat. I also think it's important to note, can is an intro. You can wear it wherever you want to. I mean, that's the thing. I think the most you're risking is people whispering behind their hands and giving you some weird looks. There's a guy here in Cincinnati named Jim Tarbell who, like, goes around and, you know, he shows up to events in top hat and tails, and he is a beloved figure. Here and see, he was the mayor for a while. That's his thing. And he's done a lot. And he shows up to events and he's dressed like super dapper and everybody loves him. You know what I mean? So it's like you can wherever. I remember once working um, the house in college of like, you know, I was doing house management for one of the theaters in our college. And this couple showed up to, you know, a ballet in like full on black tie, tails, top hat, cane thing. And listen. They were the only ones dressed like that. Everybody else was dressed nice, but not to that level. But I, I was impressed. You know what I mean? Like if if you can if you can thread that needle, I think it's still a very impressive look. I think that there are lots of events where a person can can dress for the occasion, and a top hat is a good occasion. Uh, Betsy wants to know how to deal with hats, particularly wide brimmed hats, at outdoor events. Is it okay to ask someone to take a hat off if it's blocking your view? If you are unable to situate yourself so that you can see, it is appropriate to ask someone to take their hat off, except really at the Kentucky Derby, where everyone is expected to wear a hat because, because. you. I mean, you also should keep in mind, if it's like a super, like, I, I own a cowboy hat, and I've worn it to events where, like, I knew it was going to be super sunny, and I wore it for the practical reason of, like, keeping sun off of my face and neck and ears and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I would say that like, just know that you're asking someone to remove sun protection in, in that case. Right. Um, an outdoor event, like I said, if you can't situate yourself where you can see, you can ask them to take it off. Um, but they can also say no. Uh, at an indoor event, it is, it is, more likely that they will oblige. Yeah, you shouldn't be wearing like a huge sun hat in the movies. That's not nice. That's impolite. That's bunch manners. Um, the last thing that just I, I found this interesting, and I wanted to uh, talk about it before we wrapped up. You know the phrase "throw your hat into the ring." I have heard that. I mean, it uh, originated from boxing, um, with apparent reports of people actually like throwing their hat into the ring as an act of either defiance against a challenger or as a challenge. Um, they, uh, a reference from The Mirror of Taste, published in Philadelphia in 1810, a young fellow threw his hat into the ring and followed when the lame umpire called out a challenge and proceeded to equip the challenger for the game. He then walked around the ring till a second hat was thrown in and the umpire called out, the challenge is answered. Oh. 
I've also, one of my favorite phrases that I don't know is popular enough, so I'm going to get it more popular now. Um, throw your hat over the fence. I feel like when we first started dating, I used that phrase and you're like, that's nothing. And I'm like, no, throw your hat over the fence. This is a real thing. And I, I just saw it reference again in West Wing doing another watch through of it. And it's the idea of like, also we'll throw your hat over the wall. And the story that they tell in West Wing as an anecdote is like, uh, two, you know, two boys come across a wall way too hard, high to climb. So they throw their hats over. So then they have no choice but to find a way over it's that kind of idea, throw your hat over the fence is kind of committing yourself to an act like, well, I, you know, if, if I like tweet it out, like I'm going to, I'll be in San Francisco next week, whether I was planning to or not, I've thrown my hat over the fence now and I need to find a way to San Francisco. Hmm. Interesting. That's how I would use it. But anyways, let's wrap up there. Uh, we want to say thank you to everybody listening. Thank you so much. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, be sure to share it with a friend. Uh, we're so excited about Max Fun Drive coming up in a couple of weeks. I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am about it. Um, and I would love it if uh, you went to iTunes and rate, reviewed, and subscribed. You can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S-C-A-S-T. You can also join our Facebook group um, and discuss this episode, other episodes we've already put out. If you have questions there, it's a great place for group discussions. And every week we'll post what the subject is going to be and you can ask us questions and maybe get them answered on the show. Um, let me see what else. Oh, go to uh, MaximumFun.org and check out all the other amazing shows there. There's a ton on there. And I, listen, I'm not just saying this because we're on the network. It's my favorite network, full of my favorite <laughs> shows, um, and, and we're very excited to be a part of it. Let's see. What else, Teresa? Well, as always, I want to thank Brent Brentelfloss Black for our theme song, and you can download that as a ringtone wherever those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our banner and thumbnail art. Check out her portfolio. Um, and, you know, throwing one up to my girl, Emily Post. Thanks for all the info on hats. Um, and I know I've already said it, but just as a reminder... My brothers and I made a TV show uh, based off My Brother, My Brother and Me, the other podcast that we do. It's on CISO.com now, S-E-E-S-O.com, um, for three ninety nine a month. If you're in the U.S. of A., you can watch all the episodes now, plus a bunch of, like, bonus content uh, with, like, about another I, – I think once they're all up, they're releasing them every Monday. But once all the bonus content is released – like an hour of deleted scenes, an hour of bloopers, a lot more stuff. But I'm very, very proud of the show, and I really want people to see it. So if you're able to see it, go check it out. CISO.com. Remember, uh, sorry, CISO.com. Remember, it's not safe for work. Oh, um, yes. This and, is correct. <laughs> and there are swears in it. So This is very correct. Oh, also, because we haven't mentioned it in a while, if you're interested in checking out other uh, McElroy projects or you want to send something to our P.O. Box, or you want to email us or whatever, McElroyShows.com is your one-stop website for all the information on all of our podcasts, YouTube series, the TV show, P.O. Boxes, all that stuff. Uh, I think I've rattled on enough, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.